0: Weirdo Bookworms Unite! Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark
1: psychological thrillers to gory body
0: horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery?
1: Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you! Welcome home. Hey, genre junkies. It's Sandra. It's Scott. (sighs) It's Brady Hendrix horror night yay we love grady hendrix if case you've forgotten we interviewed grady hendrix should we link the episode i had forgotten should we link the episode down below absolutely um so tonight we're going to be talking about how to sell a haunted house by monsieur hendrix a wonderful delightful hilarious brilliant man
0: And, and and a great title promising an interesting premise oh yeah yeah
1: like you're not you're not ready you're not ready for this book you might think you're think ready, I'm ready for, for this this book <laughs> <laughs> scott yeah. do you want to share with the class anything
0: exciting no i don't no <laughs> no there's nothing i have nothing exciting nothing
1: well, at all well you might notice it's possible this episode may be a few hours late when it goes up Is that true? Um, I hope not. Well, okay. But it might be. So if it does, we have to tell you guys something. So we are a tiny bit under the gun with this episode, (laughs) but I have a really good excuse. I was in the hospital for like a day. I don't know, but I was like really laid up for a while. Yeah. So
0: It was an interesting week. It was, we had, you know some 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 things yeah. like we
1: do and i was highly medicated i was in an exorbitant amount of pain i was in no place to read uh anything at all i would not have been able to digest it so like i finished this book like right before recording which never happens for me never. i'm i'm usually way early so it's just kind of like I feel very weird, because I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I normally, like, I'm so down, and I'm not so, like, you know, trying to race and get it finished, but what can you do? These things happen. Sometimes you go to the hospital.
0: So that's the energy that we're bringing to this episode today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, a you, you, little, little chaotic, but it's actually perfect for the subject matter.
0: Yes, it is.
1: Well, I guess without further ado, we don't have much to share, because we've just been convalescing me (laughs) for the most part watching our comfort show law and order special victims unit we're now nine seasons in at this point i mean basically (laughs) what happens is we just keep restarting it restarting it and restarting it um
0: it is a really good background show
1: yes and especially like you know when you see like every episode every once in a while we'll be like I don't remember the end of this. Or it'll be like, I remember how this ends, but I don't remember anything leading up to it. Mm-hmm. We all have those shows, right? We all have those shows. So from New York Times bestselling author of The Final Girl Support Group, among many other things, Grady Hendrix, How to Sell a Haunted House. When Louise finds out that her parents have died, she dreads going home. She doesn't want to leave her daughter with her ex and fly to Charleston. She doesn't want to deal with her family home, stuffed to the rafters with the remnants of her father's academic career and her mother's lifelong obsession with puppets and dolls. She doesn't want to learn how to live without the two people who knew and loved her best in the world. Most of all, she doesn't want to deal with her brother, Mark, who never left their hometown, gets fired from one job after another, and resents her success. Unfortunately, she'll need his help to get the house ready for sale, because it'll take more than some new paint on the walls and clearing out a lifetime of memories to get this place on the market. But some houses don't want to
0: be sold, and Luis and Mark's home has other plans for both of them. So, okay, right off the bat, we've got a sibling story, which is a, um, as we know, a a, a little bit of a... It's a
1: thing for me. It checks a box. It's a big one. So... Gosh, you know what? Like we had talked about doing a spoil in the spoiler section doing our trigger warning, but I mean I, I it's right there in the in the dust jacket. This mm-hmm. is a book about uh people who are dead, dealing with death. So and,
0: and death and family after a death.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like a trigger warning, but it's also right there. In the flaps, so it's not like a spoiler in any way. So
0: I, I'll take that little, that little bit of a trigger warning and lead into my experience score because I, I, this is a book I have two experience scores for, yes. and I'm not going to apologize for it. No,
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't apologize here <laughs> at Chandra Junkies for much.
0: The first half of this book was a struggle. It's really good. I was really enjoying it, but it was a struggle. Because um, a lot of it was a little real for me, a little bit realer than uh, than I was, you know, necessarily prepared for. And Sandra, who started the book before me, was wonderful and, and did notice that there were some potential triggers for me and, and let me know first. Um, I decided that, you know, I'd be okay with it, and I was. Um, but it's hard because it, it handles a lot of stuff like that that can be real real if that is fresh for you. That said, I still really enjoyed it, and once I kind of got my head around that, and I kind of like got past that, and just like really settled down into it, it became an absolute page turner for me. And ultimately, that's my score. I, I I couldn't put it down by the end. I was just excited by every twist and turn in the book. It's so original and creative. It, I, I had a lot of fun with it.
1: Oh, I'm so glad. So, um, yes, Scott and I both experienced the loss of a caretaker, in my case, parent um, in Scott's. And that's something that shapes a person, no matter your relationship with them, how old you are, how long time has passed. Um, So automatically, for probably most people, this book is going to hit home in some Mm -hmm. way like, you know, because we've all experienced that. And there's even, the book is divided into sections that are the seven stages of grief, too. Uh, it's really cool, like, in the in the physical copy, like, it'll be, like, anchor on, like, a fully black page, and it just says that. Um, I agree, this book was incredibly original, so moving. Um, I cried a couple of times, but more than I cried, I laughed uproariously and I snickered and I did all the giggles. Um, this book is an absolute obsession and will be a front runner for Book of Theater for me, no mm. doubt, no doubt. I want everyone I know to read this book for that reason i i i'm leaning towards mass appeal with this because even though it's horror mm. it is so funny and it is so relatable and it is so just exciting and different but it's still the Grady Hendrix brand we all know and love i'm sorry i'm telling people read read this book i'm telling you this might push you out of your comfort zones. I'm telling you, this is, if you don't usually read this genre, (laughs) read this book.
0: Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to wait on my, uh, on my appeal score because I'm not sure I'm quite there with you on the mass appeal. Wrong. (laughs) I, I think that this book is, is brilliant. And, um, you know, based on the premise that is promised in the book jacket and the title alone, uh, I think that that it can be suggested as a mass appeal book. I think it just goes it. in places that are so original and out there and out there. I mean, you have to admit, this really goes to a particular place that just strikes a dart right in the bullseye of, of Sandra for this book.
1: So in the dust jacket, we know that her mom um, had a lifelong obsession with puppets and dolls. There are two people on this podcast that have a lifelong obsession with puppets and dolls. <laughs> um, I'm more of a doll person, though I do have my ventriloquist dummies, my wonderful boys. The four of them are here in the room right now.
0: And if I was born 30 years earlier, I probably would work for Jim Hansen.
1: <laughs> Scott loves puppets and i don't think that's something a lot of people know about you
0: i love puppets i myself am not a experienced puppeteer right but i i love puppets and i love puppeteers and so it just like i i just like really like them
1: yeah so and i love dolls so when like we see like that was mom's lifelong obsession we're like it's like I
0: two. could not get rid of any of this. I could not get rid I could not I could not go through a house and manage a uh selling a house that's filled with puppets. I would keep every single puppet. <laughs> so we have four ventriloquist dummies as I mentioned. Scott, what do
1: we say at flea markets? What's our motto?
0: No, no dummy left, left behind. behind.
1: <laughs> and so far we have held to that. So Grady continues to always impress me with how great he writes women from their perspective, mm-hmm. um, never a creepy, breastily runs down the stairs moment. I mean, there's like acknowledgement that like Louise, is it a body has a body, <laughs> but, um, he just continues to make me have so much faith in just when some male authors can just write a good, strong female voice. And he's done it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a home run. Uh, so we have the character of Louise. She's very type A. She's very buttoned up. <laughs> she's a career person. She's a science person. Uh, but she's also a mom, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then we have her brother, Mark, kind of a ne'er-do-well. Kind of a deadbeat. But uh, kind of like in Louise's eyes, a deadbeat. Well, but yes, everybody loves him. Yeah. He's charming and kind and fun.
0: And I will say I will say this readers when you start reading this book there are points in this book where every single character is not necessarily portrayed to you the reader as the best person. Um you don't always like everybody in this book. I urge you to trust Grady. Always trust Grady. Trust Grady, trust Grady because there are very intelligent choices that are made in this book that that they it will pay off
1: so this is another one of those stories it's it's set in a place I've never been Charleston um but I feel like I kind of went to Charleston a little bit when I read this book like there was just things about it the vibe this kind of Southern family mm. you know I, that I'm like I love when a book can really make you feel like you learn a sense of place. And that's why I've always felt that no matter what you read, you will always learn something. And it's very true. And oftentimes the setting, a city, uh, you know, a particular city or country or whatever, it makes you feel like, I know a little bit about that. Not because I've been there, but because I read a book that was set there. And I find his, his Southern characters to be so charming.
0: One of the things I actually appreciated about the book uh, is kind of in the opposite direction as well as, you know, the house is is described, but it's not described excessively. And I like that. And I'll yeah. tell you why. I pictured my grandma's house.
1: Oh, see?
0: And there, also, there were so many similarities, you know, as far as like the backyard and, you know, the, the dining room and yeah, the you know there's there's aspects of it that don't quite fit in but my yeah. my mind was able to to mold around it because of just it was described just the right amount to explain what was happening without yeah. you know without making it very specific
1: and not much of the book is set in San Francisco, but Luis actually lives in San Francisco. And that's always fun for us because which, that's our neck of the woods. Yes. Yeah. So it's always fun like, ah, oh my God, it's us. There we are.
0: Although I don't I don't I don't know how she has an apartment in San Francisco.
1: She's a product alone.
0: designer. I mean she yeah, she's got a good job, but man. <laughs>
1: she she got in at the right time, I guess. She does talk about how expensive her daughter's school is, which tracks.
0: It does, actually. (laughs)
1: Um, So I don't want you to be worried if you're thinking, where's the gore in this book? Oh, it's there. Oh, it's there. There's gore. Mm -hmm. There's some creepy shit. There's some cringey gore. Like, this is like, I winced. Like not yeah. cringe in a bad way, but like like you literally like wince cringe pull away from the page because you're like, ow, 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 ow.
0: There are two moments in particular that I can think of where Grady uh just luxuriates in the in the gore.
1: And one of them is a Scott Phobia. Uh, ah. So you will learn something about Scott if you if you didn't know this particular phobia.
0: Yeah, you will. You and if will. You do know there's your trigger warning. <laughs> I don't know what it could be. No, couldn't possibly. Couldn't possibly imagine. It happens fairly early on, too. It's one of the first moments of gore. Yeah.
1: Um. I mean, I can't say enough good things about this book. Um. Like I said, it's a contender for me for. My book of the year, uh, I have a really hard time picking my favorite Grady Hendrix books. You know, he's one of those authors, for me, it's usually like the latest one I've read is like my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is just a masterpiece.
0: I th- I think it's really good. I think it might be my favorite Grady Hendrix book. But uh, as I said, I think you need a few spoons to get into it.
1: And don't just take our word for it. Riley Sager, Mallory O'Mara, Josh Mallerman, Paul Tremblay, Chuck Wendig, Stephen Graham Jones—all my all our friends—they are blurbed on the back. Um, I like this one from from author Lauren Buke. She says, "Grady Hendrix tap dances the line between horror and heart. It's terrifying, dark, funny, and empathetic, with a left hook when you're least expecting it." That's a good little blurb there, my friend. A great blurb. Yeah, I I couldn't have said it better myself. But you know what? I will continue to. I will be out there ringing my little bell on the street corner, uh, conscripting for the church of Grady Hendrix and how to sell a haunted house. Because, like, seriously, this is for me. Like, I I want to buy it for everybody I've ever met, shoving in their hands and be like, "You'll thank me later.
0: You'll thank me for this." <laughs> And you know that that's no hollow threat when we say that. No,
1: we have bought massive quantities of some (laughs) books before in the past.
0: So I really want to go into spoilers, but we can't do that in the non-spoiler section.
1: No, we got to move. So we kind of gave you your trigger. So we're going to just get right into it in the spoiler section. If you haven't read this book, do yourself a favor. And check it out. And if you have,
0: we'll- Come s- with us.
1: <laughs> hey, bookworm buddy, don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at Genre Junkies.
0: Pumpkin here, pumpkin here. Everybody laugh, everybody cheer. No more bedtime, no more rules, no more teachers, no more schools. It's time to sing and dance all day. Pumpkin's here to play and play and play and play and play and play and play. And play.
1: It's like he was in the room. Oh uh, um, wow,
0: what was that? I don't
1: have, You have a great Pumpkin voice. <laughs>
0: I, I I I yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I I, love Pumpkin.
1: I I love Pumpkin. I couldn't talk about it.
0: It's a character. I did not expect this book to be a I, I don't wanna I don't I don't wanna say like a child's play, right? Because it's so unique. But I didn't expect I was expecting a haunted house. You know what I mean, like yes. ghosties and and you know paranormal stuff and maybe and you know of course some humor and things like that. But but no, it's one ghost, a possessed, that, yeah. puppet spirit thing. Well, I mean, more complicated than that. But what a great, what a great twist! And Pumpkin
1: is kind of clown adjacent, yeah, which is a problem for me um, <laughs> because I'm. I don't, I don't cotton onto the clowns very well. Um, so pumpkin is this awful little I <laughs> mean, he, <laughs> he just he hurts people, he kills people. However, I always thought he was so much fun, and I was always just so happy to see him. And then when you get to see his heart, this was the first time I cried. Is when he's looking for Nancy, mm-hmm. and she promised she'd never leave him alone. Oh, I cried, and I was like, oh how dare you? Oh how. Dare you, you little bastard.
0: It's not fair to have such an evil little, little demon puppet and then give it, uh, and, and make you feel for it.
1: Well, you know what? Life's not fair. Pupkin even talks about that in the book. So we should not be surprised that Grady Hendrix did this.
0: The, the idea, the, the kind of like sub idea of this book of imagination being made real.
1: That's very big for us.
0: That's, that, was really powerful was spider the dog was yes. just like i cried <laughs> i will say i oh, cried
1: i actually i cried when he turned good that's what i mean oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. i when he turned good he's like Are "You think good boy and yeah I'm like
1: oh my god yeah uh,
0: and and her her her, st- her stuffies her oh first I cried. friends i
1: cried when she gave him to poppy and they were hiding under the bed because they couldn't hurt her i cried shut at- the. F-
0: um, I know. I cried every time. I cried every time they were in the book when she yes. first t- talked about them, and that they, you know, turned their back on her and were on the shelf and never talked to her again. And then, yeah, when they were huddled under the bed because they didn't want to be in this big giant puppet golem. amalgam, <laughs> <laughs> the puppet golem. Oh my god! Which puppet golem? What a gr- uh, and the way he described it with like, the, with like the like the like the little nubbin of a head because,
1: <laughs> was like, the I know exactly lion. what he was talking about. Like yes.
0: again. He, Grady knows exactly when to describe what you are seeing. It was so detailed and and exact. Mm. So oh yeah.
1: Oh, I mean, so that's just like, like I said, imagination
0: and toys and
1: inner child and you know, kind of being forever young at heart is a very big thing with with Scott and I. Like the genre junkies, that's like. That's us, like, in in real life. Mm -hmm. We also personify everything. Everything. So, like, there was so much that was like, like a little ticker tape of all the things for us. (laughs) And then you add on top of that, for me, it's a sibling story, which is, like, oh, a big one. And it's about death, the reality of death, and accepting death, which is a topic that... um. Is really big for me. Like that sounds weird, but it's like I mean it's not weird to me and to a lot of people, but you know, like just kind of ruminating on death, living with death and and that sort of thing is is something I spend a lot of time thinking about in a very neutral and positive way. I'm a death positive person is what they call us.
0: And I I appreciate that. This book, however, has a level of of, of brutal realism. Yes, when it comes to not not so much death, yeah, but the survivors of death,
1: the aftermath.
0: Um, you know, I we we have both seen and or experienced um fighting over money or possessions. That was stupid. I we have we have seen you know families fall apart and drift drift apart after you know that central figure is lost. Yeah. Um and we've seen siblings who fight. Yeah. Who they shouldn't because I mean not all siblings get along and you know family is who you choose and all that stuff but you there's You might a, have shitty siblings. But but you you might have <laughs> shitty siblings. Let's just choose others. Yeah. Um but he, you know I talked in the earlier part um about things paying off. I deeply disliked Mark in the beginning of this You're book. You're supposed to. I know I you are. And then I deeply disliked Louise. Oh. And but the problem is is that I deeply disliked Louise and I deeply disliked Mark. I, there was a point in this book where I was really unhappy with both of them. Mm-hmm. I, I you know Mark was just like argumentative no matter what. Yes. And Louise was had no grace whatsoever towards mark yes, i I was like there was a point, and this was my lowest of low's in this book was was when I'm like, I don't like either of them why why am i fo- why am I still following what they're doing? And you know they start to 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 you know grow together and they start to have that sibling bond of we're the only two people on this planet who can really understand what we went through. And just to have it all get thrown away again mm-hmm. was really hard.
1: Yeah, they go back into kind of a little bit of an abyss there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, it's just it's heartbreaking. It's real. Yeah, and you know, for all of the 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 horrific and gleeful fun of of you know a murderous puppet, p- a murderous puppet that the real horror for me uh-huh. was that family dynamic.
1: So in domestic horror like this, um it's always so interesting and it's always so fun and and juicy and enriching because we can all relate to a lot of domestic stuff <laughs> and so we 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 know it intimately so when you have a horror that's set with within like a household and a family it hits really different and i'm glad that this kind of domestic horror trend is still going strong it's been a, a few couple few years now that we've been reading like mm-hmm. domestic horror books they they're they're clearly doing well and authors are finding like oh i have something to say on this um and it's it's funny because yeah i didn't like market first either but then you start to realize well, that's because we're seeing Louise's side of things. Yep. Um And I love it when they communicate. So a big part, a big theme of this is the secrets one has within families, um, intergenerational trauma, mm-hmm. toxicity that's handed down through families, whether that's inherited traits, behavioral things. Um, and of course, in our case, we get to also have the added fun of of a puppet <laughs> in here. But it's just, it's so, it's so tasty. I can't put another word on it. It's tasty. So were you ultimately satisfied and liked them both again?
0: I was. Um, I felt that it did a, that, that Grady did a really good job paying it off in the end, particularly with the very last sentence in particular.
1: Oh, so I, Ball. Oh, Sandra. I was bawling, I was. Forty-five minutes ago, was bawling because it hit me so hard. The last sentence of the, of the book, in the best way possible, um, but it also made me feel things. It made me feel scared and vulnerable, but also happy and joyous and and gratitude. It it did all those things. But you know, what's funny, Scott. Is you do love a re- unreliable narrator.
0: I do. Um
1: And and this is also kinda Grady being tricky. This is kind of him being a little bit tricky too, because he is slowly unfurling all of this. So it's like an unreliable author too.
0: <laughs> it was so unreliable unreliable narrators are the most fun and and um this is not necessarily saying they're the best, but yeah. they're the most fun when um when they're complete, when they end up turning out to be almost completely untrustworthy, yes, like just turns everything out on its head. Right. In this case, Louise is definitely untrustworthy, definitely an unreliable narrator. But you know, Mark is not a is not a wonderful guy either. I mean, it's not like her, all of her opinions are based on lies,
1: right? He's he's not. Well, she's not
0: bad, and he's not right. bad. Yeah, they're both they're both normal traumatized people. Uh but I, I want to speaking of Mark, I want to talk about the portion of this book that is spoken in Mark's voice. It's f- fucking awesome, first of all. Uh it is awesome, great story in and of itself, a wonderful little horror tale. <laughs> um I feel as a former theater student.
1: We're both theater kids yeah. actually. Yes.
0: I feel Very called out, and you should. I feel very called out in the way that he. I mean, okay. I think I think the Venn diagram of genre junkies, listeners, and theater kids. Um, I think there's some overlap there. I would I would wager. But if you were never a theater kid, let me tell you a little bit about um living for the moments. The moments, the art. Um, I had like I. Had a teacher, a director convince me, someone who hated smoking. Oh, yes. Convinced me to take up smoking so that I could smoke an entire cigarette in a, you know, in a, like a 90 second scene to show just how stressed and obsessed this character was. That's. Not cool, but I was like, that's the best thing in the world. You were also a young and impressionable actor. I was. A little little different. Yeah. I have another story. Oh,
1: by the way, Scott does not smoke anymore. He's quit smoking a long time ago.
0: And I mean, let's just say, you know, I have done other things that, you know, when you're with a number of other actors and directors and theater people, that you get in this bubble. Yes. And you all start to think, wow. What an incredible idea this would be! This is
1: exactly what happens to Mark with the, yes. with the collective,
0: and um, Sandra knows some of these some of these things too. They're and horrifying. There are things that I thought was like incredible pieces of art that I am horribly. Yeah. horribly embarrassed. You're like, by this
1: now. will move the people, and like, and everybody in the company is so like, yes, yes, this is this is it, and it's like you're just like so myopic though in your view, and clearly that is not a unique experience to you. No, like so basically, Scott is Mark. I no, <laughs> no, wait, hold on, because he started out in theater as like always everybody's favorite. It even walks you through the progression of being a young boy to a young man to a man in the theater like it was like your autobiography and then to become obsessed with puppets
0: i mean it really got like i am mark (laughs) and that's what kind of me up because i hated mark so much and i'm like oh god damn it i am mark i am mark (laughs) Um,
1: you are a very successful career person and not a, not an air do well. Um, yeah, so up but to I, a point. I, I also,
0: <laughs> you also burned down a house. My sister didn't try to drown me when I was five. and I also didn't kill my friends in a house by burning it to the ground. We don't know that they're all dead. We don't know that I didn't do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, um, as again, as theater people, we can really understand. And I think a lot of different people who have arts backgrounds, any sort of medium, you know that feeling when you're like high on it and you're like feeding off of each other, and just the vibes are flowing, and you can become so consumed in a project. And then you add on to this that they're hearing voices from someone who is just about chaos. You can really see how things got out of hand when so it's like the end of a chapter before it starts mark section and i'm paraphrasing here but he says something like when i was 19 i joined a radical puppet collective and i just i could not stop laughing i couldn't stop laughing um a couple other moments like this is one of those books again i could not save all of the things that made me laugh because i was laughing every few pages if if not more um when they get to, when they get to the Waffle House Mark was cleaner But he looked like exactly the type of guy Who'd go to a Waffle House at 3 in the morning After shooting a haunted puppet <laughs> And then Where we meet Barb Who um, cleanses Dolls and puppets oh Barb, my...
0: Barb I Barb love Barb fucking Owen. Barb is the best
1: Barb's calling us to keep them out of innocent hands On long weekends and federal holidays We spiritually deactivate them <laughs> Why did he have to put that? He didn't have to put that. That just makes it funnier. Um,
0: so, I love how, how they, basically, they basically are the reason that that industry exists.
1: Yes. And we all know about buying haunted dolls and puppets and haunted shit on eBay. So this is perfect that it's like, oh, that's where they go. That's where they go. Um, yeah, I could definitely see myself becoming Barb. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm three degrees removed from that.
0: I also really, I really love when Barb figures out that it's a ghost. And she's like, like, here they are. She's, like, disappointed. Well, no, I mean, she's disappointed. She's mad. She's mad at the others, because, like, and they're like, there's no such thing as ghosts. Like, you believe in demons yeah
1: and she's like arguing like the biblical facts but it's it's the auntie and it's like like, oh my god
0: aren't we aren't we past the like the unbelievable at
1: this point scott and i also have talked about how much we love the trope of in a book when a character's going through some shit and they just lay it out to somebody for help and they're like yep uh Mm uh-huh okay let's go let's go yeah because like that is how i would be (laughs) Pretty much any supernatural thing somebody presented to me. But it's also just like it's so fun and such a twist on the trope instead of having to go on and on and on for too long of trying to convince somebody of something, it's like, shit, okay, we're doing this. And it's it's so fun in books when people it's like theater, yes, and
0: well, that's one of the that's one of the nice little twists on that as well, is that Louise for the first part of the book. She's the one who's not listening. But but she knows in her mind that it's real. She knows that it's real, but imagine being on the other side. Like just imagine for a moment Mark being the main character talking to Louise and she is doing the classic oh that's crazy that could never happen that's not real you have to be an adult and just going oh why won't anyone just listen to him and in hindsight you're like why didn't she just listen to him where mark is the one who's who she tells him this crazy story and he goes okay and then they take it to they take it t- to the family and they're like okay. okay
1: yep yep we got this yeah um So this is a fun little peek behind the curtain for genre junkies fans. There's a little bit of a theme in here about what is real and what makes something real. and We've touched on that because you and I love themes of imagination and what is reality and what is real. And you make things come alive, um, almost like egregore sort of style. There's much discussion of the Velveteen Rabbit in this book. We had a reading from the Velveteen Rabbit in our wedding vows, in our ceremony. We did. Did that kind of like make... What did that make you
0: feel? How did you feel? It made me kind of sad that she didn't like it, but I also... The way that she described why she didn't like it, I'm like, wow, that's actually... Hmm. That's kind of sad, actually. Because then it kind of comes full circle. Oh, it does. Yeah. But she
1: does have a good point. What the fuck is a skin horse? We've never liked that. Uh, What is a skin horse?
0: (laughs) That's disgusting. (laughs) That's perverse. What is a skin horse? (laughs) But no, I felt... You know, this is you know, it's this is not an exclusive thing to Sandra and I. This is a this is a universal feeling, probably amongst millennials in particular, of you know our stuffies and our families and our parents. And there's the joke that all the movies today are about you know <laughs> parents apologizing and all that. <laughs> well, I, I mean? wonder why. Uh, but Grady really was able to capture some very primal memories and feelings that I think part of my struggle with it was I haven't I haven't really met them at, at you know face to face in a while yeah and so it brought up a lot of things that I was not uh accustomed to looking at face to face
1: at this point in our lives I'm more therapized than you I've eclipsed you
0: I think I think you may have i think you actually <laughs> may have. And that's that's
1: that's saying something.
0: That's saying something. Um but yeah, it and, and I'm saying that as a as a huge compliment to Grady. Um there's two things that we haven't discussed that we I can't get believe we've waited this long to we talk about. We better get to it. One. Yeah. My big phobia. No. It's uh, it's eye it's eyeballs. It's eye trauma. Eye trauma is big for me, and um I'm sorry. The description, not just of putting the needle in the eye, not just the description of leakage. going to pull the needle out of the leakage. eye, the leakage, the way that she's describing her her eyelids are closing on it, the way that she's describing that it's like being sucked into her <laughs> eye and she's grabbing it right before it goes all the way in I, I mean, did you throw he, up? Did you actually throw up? I I was sweating. I was <laughs> sweating. I was legitimately sweating. So it was rough. That's a great compliment and for like, a horror writer. And the way that she was she was handling it at at um the waffle house? at the waffle house which okay by the way no, great. we need to go to a waffle house there seems to be a whole cultural joke around waffle houses that i just i i i understand yeah. but i don't really understand Do we,
1: i don't think we have like a lot of like that sort of waffle house no we have ihop <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but i but i digress the way that she's like i'm blind i'm never gonna see again i'm blind i can't see i like it was you that's it me though, yeah. like you could be at the other end and say, "Like, really? It looks Scott, fine. It looks fine. It looks fine. You're gonna be fine. People get injections in their eye all the time. Like, I nope. i are never opening this eye again. I'm blind. I'm dead."
1: Um. Did it make you feel a little better that the eye was in fact fine?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> because I because if I was if I was Louise, I would still have to live with that. Yeah. Like I will never, I will never, never get I uh. Uh, lasik lasik never yeah. i definitely i know i could benefit from it uh, my eyesight not bad enough it's it's fine but i will never get it yeah. because i you ain't getting near my eye the little puff of air thing that they do at the optometrist yes is the worst <laughs> is the worst i can't handle it okay the second thing and we all know what this one is go ahead the table the, the table saw
1: <laughs> she just cuts that
0: off <laughs> holy
1: f- I love when the doctor's like oh it's a nice clean cup though and she almost says thank you <laughs>
0: um wow that yeah. was pages pages. <laughs> pages of a moment that you know took probably two seconds yeah but I mean this is like this is a this is a defining moment in both of their lives it's so something good. that will be remembered uh, till their deathbed to be fair mark's kind of a big baby about it mark is an asshole about it <laughs> he's an asshole about it i mean okay we've both come to the, we've go, come to the same place here um okay this crazy stuff is real Pupkin is 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 a is a demonic puppet and uh, it, it, and he is trying to kill the both of them. He knows that he's being possessed by Pumpkin, and he begs her to cut his hand off. And, and now did. he's going to be like, "But you had to do it in the middle of the of the of the tattoo." That is funny. That his infinity symbol it's funny. is <laughs> funny. It's funny. It pays off pretty well, yeah. Um, it's just like he that you know that's that's their 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 their, their that's their abyss moment, yeah. But it's, it really kind of like, d- dude.
1: Um, I want to end on a positive with Mark, though. I love that he kind of loves doing renovations, and that's something he's gonna kind of take yeah. up with Mercy. I thought that was so cool, and it's a really nice reminder, I think, to maybe a lot of people out there, maybe especially younger people, that um, you know, everything is not your whole life is leading up to your one career, mm-hmm. your one path your major, your whatever that you were working towards, and that's your end-all, be-all of your life. And Mark proves that in a couple of ways. First of all, he he talks about like how he thought he wanted it so much with theater, and then he, he doesn't. And then he kind of bounces around from, from jobs to jobs. And it's like, it's okay if it takes you a long time in life to find your stride, and it's okay to change your mind. Right. And everybody's not Louise.
0: And sometimes you have to find, you have to find what you like and what you do. Sometimes you have to add what you like into what you do. I mean, yeah. Like I said, I I actually have a lot of similar, uh, like a lot of similarities to Mark. An uncomfortable amount of similarities to Mark.
1: Your relationships skills are highly more evolved. <laughs> they are,
0: yes. Um, although I probably, I probably would be an asshole if I had, if I grew up with a sister. <laughs> <laughs> You know, let's be honest. Especially when they tried to drown you. That yeah. Way. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, yeah, I have kind of a, you know, on paper, a very corporate kind of job, right? But I bring a lot of creativity into it. That's how I find satisfaction in it, you know? Oh, absolutely. And the creativity happens to be creating new spreadsheets every other week. But yeah. you know, that's my that's my that's my fun. If and you sometimes
1: will. a job is just something that allows you to live in our unfortunately capitalistic society so that you can then do the do, things do you the love. Like this. Like this. Um and then Lastly, to wrap it around, too, and on a positive note, I love the way Freddy slash Pupkin is um, crossed over. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was just the right amount of sweetness without being saccharine. Mm-hmm. But it stayed true to his defiant little character. That he's like, yeah, I'll go see. I-,
0: I-, I don't believe you that it's there, but yeah. I'll go look for it.
1: But then he's a little scared and nervous, too. It just made it all very real, very believable. It was beautiful, beautiful.
0: And I hope Nancy is there.
1: They're there. She he to find everybody. Cause at the end of pumpkin stories, he always does. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, obviously this book Oh, five five puppets, five. five puppets, puppets, out, puppets out, of five. out of five. Five severed hands out of five. We're not even we haven't even touched on all the things that poor Louise went through. She is battered and bruised. Yeah. Uh oh Poppy too. What a strong little fighter. Love little Poppy. She's very cute. Um, can't say enough good things. Thank you, Grady Hendrix, for writing this kick-ass book. As you are wont to do. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Sandra. Please keep reading past your bedtime. <laughs> So okay just- wait wait hold on hold on I think we should back up when you say the bullseye part I want to reword it yeah okay back up scotch in the future <laughs> yeah
0: let me let me do a clap this one really needs a clap <laughs> Ah! <laughs> ah!